When I placed that flag up here this morning, I saw them move the table. I thought, I'm going to have to walk that far. Uh, I've gone a whole lot farther for that flag than that distance, trust me. Um, here it is Veterans Day. Um, this Veterans Day actually falls on a Sunday. This is uh, November 11th, 2018. Um, it's a day for us to remember. Um, not only remember, but we need to appreciate uh, the freedoms that we have. We need to uh, appreciate those that are serving, have served, and are serving as I speak today. Uh, a little bit of a history for those that may not know. Uh, normally on Veterans Day, Memorial Day, uh, we take our flag down here from the poles here at Bars Mill Church of God. We encase them and we award those to a, a veteran uh, or active military personnel. Uh, at this present moment, I don't have that available to me. Uh, we have some futures coming on. We have some young people who have recently stepped up. They're in the military and I look forward to honoring them uh, as we can. But uh, this morning, uh, first off, I want to thank uh, I want to thank this church. I want to thank Pastor for giving me this time frame this morning and this opportunity to speak to you from the heart um, about what Veterans Day means to me and what it should mean to each and every one of us. Uh, if we don't partake in that service, sometimes. We don't really grasp what it's all about. We don't see the prices that are paid for the freedoms that we have to be able to sit here and freely worship this morning. Um, even as I speak, we have people in service, in country, out of country, around the world that are there for a reason to try to defend and see to it that our nation stays free. We still live in the finest nation in the world. Uh, if uh, anyone has any second thought of that, um, you have to take a real look around at your freedoms that you enjoy every day. The things that we just take for granted uh, has a price on it, and it, it has been paid for, and it is as I speak. Um, if I may, I'm going to set the flag back down, not to take the flag away here, but I want to see you. I want to, uh, I want to be able to speak to you personally. Um, when I do this, um, I speak from the heart, and the reason that, uh, that I can do this, I just want you to know, none of what I do or say here today is about me. Yes, I'm a veteran, but this is about our veterans, our people that are in uniform and serving us at this very moment. So I may use myself as examples at some point here. I have to. But I know of the sacrifices. I've been there. I'm a combat veteran of Vietnam. I've been on the ground. I see the prices paid. I see the losses. I see the suffering. And uh, those were all issued by individuals for freedoms of this nation. It was about home. It was about the freedoms back home to keep the bad guys at bay, to see that they didn't come to our shores and inflict their harm on our people. Uh, the bell ringers here this morning, our children, what better reason than to defend this nation so they can enjoy the same freedoms that we have had, that we've grown up with. We need to maintain those freedoms for them so they can grow up in a free world 
and have a future. So I just, um, we're blessed to be free. Some of what I'm going to do is scripted. Some of it's from the heart. There's so much to be said. And uh, when I walk from the pulpit, it's always something else that I have in my head, in my heart, that I wanted to portray to you. I wanted to bring forward. Uh, We are blessed to be free, to worship freely this day. Comes with a price from the past to this very moment, paid for by those who have and are serving our great nation. I thank God that today we have men and women that are willing to hold their hand up and take the oath and go into our military services to defend our nation. This is a volunteer army that we have today, a volunteer military. I was drafted. It wouldn't have made any difference. I was chosen and sent into circumstances that I never foresaw. But I was proud of what I did. There was a time at back home we were not very prominent individuals, uh, that there was a lot of uh, demonstrating and et cetera going on back home, that we weren't even cared for by our nation. And at those times we had to find our strength within our individuals that would be beside me, behind me, in front of me, our people on the ground. We had to find strength in ourselves because there was a time that appeared our nation didn't believe in us. We never, never let our nation do that to our military personnel again for no reason. That is your option to see to it that this never happens again. What does Veterans Day mean to you? It's not about the post offices being closed tomorrow, the banks. having a day off work because it's a paid holiday. It's, it's a day to honor those who have purchased freedoms. Honor deserves just not only today, but every day. We remember these things on Veterans Day and Memorial Day. We've got the other 363 days out of the year. Life goes on. Unless we have a family individual that's in uniform and serving our nation, maybe it doesn't even touch base with us. Sometimes we turn a blind side to some of the issues with the news and so on. What's taking place with our troops overseas? We still have troops overseas that are still being wounded and dying. And they're doing that. Remember, they volunteered for this service. They're doing that to maintain the freedoms that we have here at home. My passion is for each of you here today and for our nation to understand the sacrifices and truly feel in some way their pain. They give of themselves with honor. We don't glorify war, but it comes with a price to defend freedom. The many branches of the military, I'm going to list those. The Air Force, the Army, Army Reserve, Coast Guard, Marines, Navy, National Guard, Special Ops. Each and every one of these have a a particular part of the big picture, our nation's defense. I thank God for their service. When I was drafted, I was was drafted in uh, uh, 
my MOS, when I got out of basic training, my MOS was 11B10. And I says, I went to one of the sergeants. I said, Sarge, what's 11B10? He said, well, he said, uh, that's light weapons infantry. I thought, no, he couldn't possibly know what he's talking about. So I went off to another sergeant. I said, Sarge, what's my MOS here? I said, 11B10. And he says, well, that's light weapons infantry. And I thought, well, how can that possibly be? And then, then I thought back about it, and I thought, now, wait a minute. I remember, I remember when we were filling out all that paperwork. Do you like the outdoors? Yeah. Do you like to camp? Yeah. Do you like to hunt? Yeah. So now I understand how I became an 11B10. I thought, man, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole here. I said, what is this? You got all these other jobs, and here I am at the bottom of the totem pole. Well, everybody knows Don Weber. Here, just a while back, we had a conversation, and he said that he got a whole piece of information that said, he said, uh, okay, we're 11B10. He was mortar platoon. I was in a line company. We're both line companies, separate places, but um, I was a rifleman. He was on a mortar platoon. And um, he said, we were infantry. But he said, do you realize, he found information that specified that it took a certain type of an individual, a certain type of a person, a certain type of a character to be light weapons infantry. And I thought, didn't realize that at the time, but yeah, we do fall into a special class. Well, of all these, all the different branches of our military, everybody in there falls into a special class, no matter what service that is. There was a time when I thought Air Force had it pretty good. And then there was a time after that that I talked to an individual who was in the Air Force. He said, we flew to keep the bad guys from getting to you. I saw a bigger picture now. I understand that. We were on vacation a while back, and I ran into a, there was a, we were down at Colonial Williamsburg, and they had a place for military personnel to stop by and get a cup of coffee and something. And I stopped in. There was a young guy and his wife. He's in the military. We talked. There's a brother here. There's a brotherhood here. And he said, he fuels jet aircraft. I thought, okay, he fuels jet aircraft. Him fueling jet aircraft is a part of that big picture that I didn't see until I talked to that, that Air Force personnel. All those branches, every one of those people, every one of those MOSs, Whatever their job, whatever their duty is, whether they're a mechanic, whether they're a pilot, whether they fuel, whatever they do, these are our support group for our military. Every one of those pieces is as important as the next. And I thank God that we have people that in all those areas that take care of those jobs for us. And uh, so we all need to see that. Um, it opened my eyes even after I thought, man, we got to talk. Uh, there was a lot of people covering us and taking care of us. And we all still do it for the same reason, for a nation. Uh, at this time, I want all of our military veterans to come to your feet. Everybody military, come to your feet. Veterans, in service, whoever, to your feet. And I want the congregation to look around. These people have made an investment these people have invested in your freedoms this morning.
Lyle Kayser, get on your feet, sir. I want Lyle on his feet. He's in the back row. Thank you. You may be seated. Families also pay a toll uh, that we don't necessarily see. Um, so we have to pray for our troops as well as uh, their families. Um, the moms and dads, uh, the brothers and sisters, uh, the children. Um, when someone's in the military, they go across, uh, they leave, they go across the world where they're in training, whether in service in the United States or whether they go elsewhere. Um, the families, there's a, a hole in the family during that period of time that they're gone. And uh, so we need to see that we're supportive of those families and we have to appreciate their sacrifices as well. Uh, that they are willing to give up a part of their family for a term, and in some cases, uh, maybe for eternity. But uh, they suffer as well. So they need to be very much remembered. Um, offensive was something that comes into mind uh, offensive has become a brand to keep us from seeing the truth and allowing our feelings to be activated. Keep us in a soft spot where we don't have to face reality. If we don't know, we really, we really can't care. We can't truly understand. But I can illustrate, um, because of my experiences, this morning I'm going to give you a little bit of insight because I know you can't understand uh, without really knowing. I can illustrate some of the sights, smells, the taste, and the fears. Uh, Hollywood doesn't show you the real truth. Uh, Hollywood is not real because in Hollywood, uh, actors go on to make another movie, and etc. Um, some circumstances that I had in my service time. Like I said, this isn't about me. This is a. I've got some examples that I want you to feel. I want you to hear. I want you to to know and understand, because you don't really know what goes on in those circumstances. We think we do. But unless you're there, you can't feel it. You don't truly understand it. It doesn't affect your day. Um, a few months back, we went the battalion that I belong to in Vietnam. We have a battalion organization, so we have every couple of years we have a reunion, and uh, so we sometimes connect with somebody that we haven't seen since we got on a helicopter and left the field in Vietnam. Um, I have one particular person that uh, was somewhat close by. I was there the day he was wounded. Uh, I'm going to give you some circumstances of what happens sometimes in a combat situation. 
we were moving, and we're a line platoon. We're like up to 100 people in the field. That's what we did. There came a day when we were moving, and we had to change directions. And so we're in the jungle. We're on a trail. Part of our people turn around and go back past us. The point was turning around. Now somebody else was going to walk out on point. Walking on point is the first person down a trail into no man's land, into enemy territory. These two individuals passed by. They were fairly new in country. And the one individual, he was obviously shaken because he was going to have to walk point. And as he passed by me, I tell him, don't worry. I said, you're okay. You're going to be all right. We're going to be right here for you. We're going to be right here for you. It wasn't but so many minutes later that our point was attacked. One of those two individuals, two of those individuals were down. At the reunion this last time we were there, I talked to uh, one of the guys that we've communicated with before. I remember the day he got wounded. He got wounded the day that this happened. This point man's name was Goral. I had pictures, and I dropped the ball because I wanted to have pictures up on the screen so you could see their face and know who that person was. You see, when we take losses, I don't have to know that individual. He's one of ours. He's an American troop. He's doing service to our nation. Anyhow, Goral was down. The person behind him was down. They were in a terrible situation. Another guy by the name of Stai. It was his job. He tried to make an effort to recover this person who was down. They was in a bad place to where they were in open fire at all times. They had no options. They actually put a rope on Goral, and he crawled out to try to retrieve that point man who was severely wounded and bleeding out. He couldn't get to him. Goral was down. Stye took wounds. And he had to, they had to drag him back out because they put a rope on him so they could possibly retrieve him. We couldn't get Goral out of there. We had to back off and call for fire support. When I talked to Stye, this is what people here and live with. When I talked to Stye a couple months ago, he called me aside, and he was in tears because he said when they got him back out, he had to verify that Goral was deceased. He said, I had to make that decision. He said, I don't know. He said, you have to tell us, is he deceased? Because he was severely wounded and bleeding severely. He had never moved from the time he was hit. He had to verify that he was deceased. We had to back up, and they called fire support across the position that that, that deceased individual was at. Stai told me, I've had to live the rest of my life not knowing did I kill him. Those are things that take place in combat. Those are things that people never see, never feel. He said, I've lived the rest of my life not knowing that I personally kill Goral if he was not deceased. That's just one incident. I, I'm trying not to be offensive, but I want you to know and feel. People don't know and understand what happens. Our military does these things for us. Had a, a friend by the name of Tom Best. He was a black kid. He lived in Harlem, New York. The first time I met him, we dug a foxhole every night. The first time I met Tom Best, 
we were at, he just happened to be a new guy in town or in the, in the field. And I had to, we were all dug the same hole. We had three people to dig a hole. We had picks and shovels. We dug a hole that was serious because we had to be below ground that night because that was our life. And I walked up to the foxhole, and Tom Best is in that hole, and he's digging, and he's sweating, he's obviously tired. Our policy was, when you're tired, you just go ahead and get out, and I'll get in, and I'll dig until I'm tired, and we'll trade off. That's what we were doing. I walked up to Tom Best, and he looked up at me, and he said, he wanted to know what my problem was. I said, Tom, if you're tired, get out of the hole. He said, I don't need no white boy looking over me. Tom Best was from Harlem, New York. I told Tom... I said, look, best. I said, that's not how it works out here. I said, the first time we get a chance, I said, you and I need to talk. So we did. I said, we got back on a, occasionally, we'd get a two or three day trip back in a fire base. It was nothing more than Constantina wire and bunkers. So we got back there and I told him, Tom, I said, look, I said, I don't care if you're black, white, blue, or green. The whole fact is out here, I depend on you and you depend on me. I said, if you need me, I've got to be there for you, and if I need you, you better be there for me. Tom and I became the best of friends. We got tight. We got tight. We even had names for each other. I was a soda cracker. <laughs> Tom Bessel was like everybody else. Most of us were 18 to 21 years old. My 10th month, I went on R&R. I had a two-day delay for reasons Beyond my control, Tom had been wounded before that. When I went on RR, I saw him on a fire base. He was going back to the field. He got wounded one day. We were in a firefight. He got wounded one day. He got shot through his butt cheek. So we razzed him. That's what you get for having a bubble butt. That was his fault, not ours. So we found humor when we could. Two days before I come back from R&R, Tom Best was killed in the field. I had to go back to find it. Tom was gone now. That's just another situation. This is what we do. This is what our military personnel put up with on a daily basis. This is what they do. This is their job. Sergeant Hanlon, my, my squad leader, Sergeant Hanlon, we get to know each other. We sat around. We all did this when we get a chance. I sat around on a foxhole with him one night. We talked about, of all things, he said, man, what I couldn't do with a good soda right now. I said, really? He said, man, back home, back home, back home in the world, back home. He said, we got this little soda shop down the street. He said, man, they make the best sodas. I said, no kidding. I said, we got Goshen Dairy down home here. I said, boy, I could sure do with a malt from there. We love to know each other. We learn to be family. We're close. We depend on each other. We care about each other. We were in contact one day. We backed out of that situation. We changed platoons. Our platoon and our squad goes out on point. Before we make the move, I said, Sarge, do you think we're going back in there? He said, no. He said, I think it's late enough in the afternoon. He said, I don't think so. He said, but we make contact. We might not be able to break contact before dark. Dark always meant a time for us to be, try to be at least secure, so we could circle ourselves like the wagons and protect ourselves. Fifteen minutes later, Sergeant Hanlon was down. He died that night. You go through stages. I went through stages. When I first got there, it was like the shock of this stuff was going on around me. Then it was the fact it was reality. This stuff was really happening. This isn't Hollywood. This stuff happens. It's for real. 
These people, when they get hurt or where they die, they die for real. Then I got into that point where I didn't want to know you because the hurt comes back again and again. I learned to know somebody. We had a gentleman come in town. In, in town, I'm sorry, it was a town. He came in country. We sat on a foxhole one night. He shows me pictures of his two daughters back home. Two days later, he was killed. How do you take that? How do you put up with that? I mean, those are the facts of war. These people are doing this stuff. They're still doing this stuff for the freedom that we maintain as a nation back home. Those are just a few examples of what happens out there. Our people today, I call them the next generation. We've got the next generation of troops. We've got people in Afghanistan, Iraq, and so on. They live in a whole different war than we do, that we did. They live in a whole different circumstance than we do. But they're still on the line. They're still putting their life on the line every day. And we're finding there is no safe place for them. We've had troops recently killed in secure areas by the people we're trying to defend. So is it wrong? Some people think it's wrong. But those people are there. They're doing their job for their nation. We need to be supportive of them. We're where we're at because we've had people that have been willing to sacrifice right from the very beginning of this nation. We have to be thankful for that. We really do. Boy. Um, wounded warriors returning home. We call them the, the next generation of warriors. Does it, this is one of my questions to you. Is it, <laughs> returning home to a family in kids' video, you've probably seen them. Do they melt your heart? Occasionally you'll see in the news where, where a child's surprised in a schoolroom because their mom or dad just returned from a, from a military assignment somewhere in the world. And there's no greater love. And uh, if that doesn't soften your heart and it doesn't bring tears to your eyes, then you just, you need to know more. You just do. Um, I, I just try to bring this to you. I try to expose you in a, in a way to what our people are doing in our military, the sacrifices that they're making. Um, like I said, you don't need to know them to care about them. It hurts me every time I see one of our troops deceased. Every time I see where we've lost other people overseas and so on. It hurts me because I know the pain. The last stage that I went through, like I say, I got cold. I didn't want to know anybody anymore because every time it happened, the pain was the same. It hurt. And then when I come home, it was guilt. Why did I get home and not my people? That's a tough time. As far as our nation was concerned, uh, like I say, we found our strength in ourselves because the information, the demonstrations and stuff at home were starting to filter into us. This was in 68 and 69 that I was in Vietnam. Um, so we had, to, we had to have our strength in ourselves. We had to believe in who we were, uh, what we were doing, and that we were doing it for a true cause. Everybody has an opinion, but uh, we believed that we were doing what was needed 
to be done. And I'm sure that's why we have so many people today that are willing to offer themselves uh, into our military. Um, my expression, uh, once a warrior, always a warrior. Um, we sometimes forget uh, we're in a line behind some old guy to be mean now. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, our elderly, uh, so often people get impatient with our elderly because they maybe have to move a little slow, a little more distinct about what they do. And it's like, oh, man, that old guy got in the way or that old lady and stuff like that uh, should never be because that uh, individual could very well be one of those people that put themselves on the line for our freedoms today. So I have a brief uh, poem here called Old Geezers. Old geezers are easy to spot. This is slang for an old man. But at the sporting events, during the playing of the national anthem, they hold their caps over their hearts and sing without embarrassment. They know the words and believe in them. You see, old geezers remember World War I, the Depression, World War II, Pearl Harbor, Guadalcanal, Normandy, and Hitler. They remember the atomic age the Korean War, the Cold War, the Jet Age, the moon landing, not to forget Vietnam and the Middle East. If you bump into a geezer on a narrow sidewalk, he'll apologize. Pass a geezer on the street, he'll smile and nod, tip his hat or a cap to a lady. Geezers trust strangers and are courtly to ladies. They hold the door for the next person and always when walking, make sure the lady is on the inside to protect. Geezers do not, I'm sorry, geezers do get embarrassed if someone curses in front of ladies and children. They don't like violence and filth on TV and in the movies. Geezers have moral courage. Geezers seldom brag unless it's about grandchildren, little eager, or music recital. This country needs geezers with their decent values and common sense. We need them more now than ever before. It's the geezers who know our great country is protected, not by politicians, but more by the young men and women in the military serving their country in foreign lands, just as they did, without a thought except to do a good job, the best they can, and to get home to loved ones. Let's thank God for old geezers we know. That's a fact. That's a fact. I have another reading for you. Since we're coming into the Christmas and the holiday season now, this is called a Christmas, a different Christmas poem. The embers glowed softly, and in their dim light, I gazed round the room, and I cherished the sight. My wife was asleep, her head on my chest, my daughter beside me, angelic in breast. Outside the snow fell, a blanket of white, transforming the yard to a winter delight. The sparkling lights in the tree, I believe, completed the magic that was Christmas Eve. 
My, my eyelids were heavy, my breathing was deep, secure and surrounded by love, I would sleep. In perfect contentment, or so it would seem, so I slumbered. Perhaps I started the dream. The sound wasn't loud and it wasn't too near, but I opened my eyes when it tickled my ear. Perhaps just a cough, I didn't quite know, than the sure sound of footsteps outside in the snow. My soul gave a tremble. I struggled to hear, and I crept to the door just to see who was near. Standing out in the cold and the dark of the night, a lone figure stood, his face weary and tight. A soldier, I puzzled, some twenty years old, perhaps a marine, huddled here in the cold, Alone in the dark, he looked up and smiled, standing watch over me and my wife and my child. What are you doing, I asked without fear. Come in this moment. It's freezing out here. Put down your pack, brush the snow from your sleeve. You should be at home on a cold Christmas Eve. For barely a moment, I saw his eyes shift away from the cold and the snow blown in drifts. Through the window that danced with a warm fire's light. Then he sighed and he said, It's really all right. I'm out here by choice. I'm here every night. It's my duty to stand at the front of the line that separates you from the darkest of times. No one had to ask or beg or implore me. I'm proud to stand here like my father's before me. My gramps died at Pearl on a day in December. Then he sighed. That's a Christmas Graham always remembers. My dad stood his watch in the jungles of Nam, and now it is my turn, and so here I am. I've not seen my own son in more than a while, but my wife sends me pictures. He sure got her smile. Then he bent and he carefully pulled from his bag the red, white, and blue an American flag. I can live through the cold. I can live through the cold and the being alone, away from my family, my house, and my home. I can stand at my post through the rain and the sleet. I can sleep in a foxhole with little to eat. I can carry the weight of killing another or lay down my life with my sister and brother, who stands at the front against any and all to ensure for all time that this flag will not fall. So go back inside, he said. Harbor no fright. Your family is waiting, and I'll be all right. But isn't there something I can do at the least? Give you money, I ask, or prepare you a feast? It seems all too little for all that you've done for being away from your wife and your son. Then his eyes welled, a tear that held no regret. Just tell us you love us and never forget to fight for our rights back home while we're gone, to stand your own watch no matter how long. For when we come home, either standing or dead, to know you remember we fought and we bled is payment enough, and with that we will trust that we matter to you 
as you matter to us. That's what our troops do. There's no easy time to be away from your family. The holidays makes it even worse. I do remember my experiences in Vietnam. Christmas. I remember a helicopter flying over at night playing Christmas carols. We were in the jungle. It seemed like the wrong place for Christmas carols, but it was Christmas Eve. We always look forward to care packages from home. So if you have someone in the military, don't hesitate to send them small items that they need. Uh, they get supplies, but there's always something that even links them to home yet. A care package is one of those things. There may be even special items that they have a desire for. I had a desire for maple sugar candy. My mom and dad had to search around, and I think they ended up in Berlin to find maple sugar candy. Well, I got maple sugar candy. Uh, it's important. Uh, to keep the ties with your people at home. It just is. Okay, now, at this time, I have a video that I would like for you to watch. Um, my wife, Kath, put the video together for me. Um, I want you to pay very close attention to the video. It covers a lot of territory, and I want you to look at the faces of these individuals in the video. Some people in here you may know. But the, the faces of the uh, individuals on this video represent uh, military personnel that have served and are serving uh, our great nation as I speak. So uh, if you'll run the video, please. Somehow, I want you to feel their pain. I want you to appreciate what they do. I ask you the question again now, what does Veterans Day mean to you? I hope I've given you some insight. Uh, there's only like less than 1% of our, our population that actually serves in our military. So it's hard for those that don't or aren't nearby to know and understand. But uh, I want you to try to do that. I want it in your heart. I hurt for these people uh, because I know. And uh, like I say, that doesn't make me special, but I want you to share in that as a nation. So uh, something else that I wanted to do this morning, um, We've got people at home here that take care of business for us, too. Our first responders. I wanted to mention our first responders. Uh, we need to be thankful for our first responders. They are uh, around us in our daily lives, the police and sheriff. Uh, so many times uh, they're taken for granted, as our military is. Police and sheriff officers who risk their lives daily. Uh, today even more so than ever, are so often unjustly criticized for their performance. Uh, 
policemen today are so often put in a situation where they have to face off with somebody and they have to give them the opportunity in most cases to fire on a police officer before they can save their own self. And uh, that's a terrible situation to be in. And, uh, but we need to keep them in our prayers. Firefighters, uh, the same. Firefighters do so much for us. Who do we depend on? If we get in trouble, we make a call. We depend on the police, the firefighters, uh, EMS. Uh, firefighters, they save a family's home and they're sometimes criticized for water damage. Uh, that's a tough situation. They do what they have to do and they're only recognized sometimes for those type of things. EMS crews do their best to save lives and the bill's the only thing that gets attention. Uh, so we need to uh, also recognize those people around us. Uh, these men and women need our recognition for the security and safety that they bring into our daily lives. Uh, I made a special footnote down here because I took uh, first responders in today as, uh, to acknowledge them. Um, everybody that I've mentioned in the past here uh, in the best that they can save lives. I want to mention our pastors. They save souls. Uh, Pastor Gary, uh, I'm so thankful that you're here. Uh, we kind of miss what pastors have to do too. And uh, we try to save lives. Pastors are saving souls. And uh, I thank God uh, for everyone that I've mentioned here today. I thank God for the fact that you've given me the opportunity to speak to you. Um, at least you, I hope, can somewhat understand the sacrifices that our people make every day for us. And uh, I'm sorry to say, I'm out of, not quite, I, I thought I was finished. No, 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 I thought I was out of information, but I have page one yet. I'm good. So, uh, closing, I ask you to pray daily for our troops, first responders, our pastors, and our great nation. We are blessed to live in America. Blessings bestowed by the Lord. Uh, right from the founding of our nation, divine intervention is noted so many times in our history. Uh, we are a Christian nation. I don't know who tells you or wants to tell you otherwise. We are a Christian nation. We were founded on Christian values. And we need to see to it that we, take, we stand our ground and we maintain that. And that's our job here, right here. Uh, I've said for a long time, churches have stood by too long and not taken a stand. When they start taking the Ten Commandments down or the crosses down, churches should have been standing right there and blocking their path and saying, uh, church and state has been turned around on us and uh, they use it too often. In my closing, I find it uh, uh, somewhat uh, astounding Pastor Gary started with uh, the exact scripture that I was closing with. Uh, so I had prayer with Gary, Pastor Gary this morning, and uh, hopefully I feel like God has his hand on this today, and I, I'm thankful for that. But I, my actual closing with Psalm 33:12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, 
That's the exact line that Pastor started with this morning. This was already in my paperwork. But uh, so I thank you again. Pray daily for our troops, our nation, and be so thankful for the freedom that we have. If you see a person in uniform, I don't care. If at all possible, go the distance and acknowledge to them the fact that you're aware that they're there, you're thankful that they're there, and that you pray for them. So, now I have finished myself here. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate, once again, the fact that the church has allowed me to come before you here this morning. I thank God that we're able to be here. And uh, I told Pastor this morning, my blessing started years ago in a pew back there. My life was pretty messed up. And uh, my first finding of peace was in a pew right here in Barsmill Church of God. And uh, Don Weber, Don and Marshall Weber brought me to that state. And I'm so thankful for them. And, um, and I found that Christ was the way that I could take that peace home with me. And uh, you're my church family. Uh, God's blessed this congregation. And I just... Uh, Ask his continual blessing. So. I want to say thank you for your service. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank the Lord for thank all you. of you that have served. I don't know about you, but I'm proud to be an American. Absolutely. One thing. I've always been patriotic. I've always been there's always a flag in my always a flag I have a flag similar to that because of that patriotism that was flown over the Capitol in my honor. Because I always back our military, our servicemen, I believe in them. I thank God for the freedom that we have today because of you. And I thank you.